Oh, honey, please, you're in the way. Can't I help you, Mom? Well, okay. Let's see. Can you do the cranberry sauce? Yeah. Where is it? The can is in the cupboard on the bottom shelf. Here? No, 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 the other shelf. Oh, got it. Now what? Open the can. No problemo. Where's the can opener? It's in the second drawer from the right. No, 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 the other one. Oh, I got you. It's broken, Mom. Mom, it's broken. 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 I don't think that it's broken, honey. Here, let me try. There you go. Ah, cranberry sauce a la Bart. Just stick it in the refrigerator when you're done, Bart. Bart? Hi, and welcome to another episode of Square Waves FM. I'm your host, Bianca, and today I will be doing this alone because Brian is unable to participate in this week's episode. He's currently busy with work obligations and is taking the week off. He didn't have a chance to make himself any notes for this episode, so I thought I'd just take the reins by myself. This week is episode number 69, and I'll be talking about cooking games and talking a bit about cooking as well. I'll try and offer some tips and some advice for people who aren't normally cooks and are looking to start in on cooking of their own. So, before we begin, I will first off start by saying that um, last week was the opening for uh, the movie, for the Warcraft movie. We went with Joe from Upper Memory Block, hi Joe, to see it. I won't be talking much about it since I know that a lot of our few of our listeners aren't into that kind of thing, but if you are interested in hearing what we have to say about the uh, Warcraft movie, we have a separate podcast that we recorded earlier with Joe that we will be publishing. We will share our thoughts on the uh, movie itself as well as some as well as talk about some of the lore behind the scenes. For those of you who want the Coles notes for the movie, I will say this. We saw the mo- when we saw the movie, we saw it in 3D. Very rarely do we go to see movies in 3D. It didn't add or derive from the experience. It was a it was a great movie. Acting was solid. Plot was okay. But yeah, if you're going to see it, just go to enjoy it. Don't worry about what the critics say. So it's definitely worth seeing. So if you want to see it, don't listen to the naysayers. Just go by yourself if you want to. I know I'd go back if I uh, was in such a cheapskate. <laughs> because I'm going to wait for it to come onto Netflix. Moving on, E3 was happened this past week. I don't have many more details, but I'll link to those in the show notes. So for those of you who want to follow E3, you can go check out what they're uh, talking about and what's upcoming for this year. I know that um, there is go- that August 31st is the uh, launch for Warcraft's new expansion, Legions. I don't know anything about Sims, but I know that they recently launched the new game pack, Dining out for the and uh, hmm, that's about it. Uh, well, on a cell phone front, Brian and I recently got new cell phones. I'm not, I don't remember if he spoke previously about his cell phone dying. I imagine he may have. So, 
for those of you who don't recall, his cell phone went underwent a very slow dying process. It would he it would just start it would for a while it was we uh, randomly rebooting itself for no apparent reason even with full battery, but then during our but then when but then it would also intermittently freeze and then he would have to restart it. The, when it fi- it hit its last legs when it finally just died out at full battery. When he tried to turn it back on, he he pressed the power button, the logo would pop up. But then that would be it. So imagine when you first turn on your cell phone, there's a bit of like a buzz or a vibration. And then you let go of the button and there's the boot screen. Well, what would happen is you'd hold down the button, the logo for the Google logo would come up, but then it would turn itself back off. So to ensure he had a cell phone until we got our replacement, Brian used his previous Nexus, his Nexus 4. I got a replacement because I stupidly let my phone drop out of my bag and it hit, it dropped and it to the floor and it hit it and it hit on the bottom corner and it cracked the screen. Nice little spider crack. The bottom of it was nearly shattered. I uh, tried to hold it together with packing tape. Ugh, that was so tacky. Um, a few little, I know a couple of fragments came off because it actually was broken. I lived with that for about two months before I decided I didn't want to risk cutting my face after the tape fell off due to me sweating on the phone because it was summer. So, we replaced our uh, Nexus 5s, which by the way were not the best Google ones. They had some significant flaws due to uh, cutbacks in order to maintain the low price. For example, they had a flawed microphone and speaker. Stop biting my foot. Um, the microphone was okay, but sometimes it would cause you to sound muffled. The speaker was, there was only one speaker. So that means that if you wanted to um, listen, if you wanted to use the speaker option in an enclosed space, such as a car, you would, you would off, the uh, person you were calling would often hear an echo of their own voice. And as science has proven, there are some people, there is a ne- people do get a negative reaction to hearing their own voice echo, and it's quite dis- disorienting. So that is so. Those are two real big issues with the phone that and the cheap screen, which cracks easily. And not and I didn't even realize until after it happened, but that is a significant. That was a significant flaw in this particular model of phone. So we got some nice new phones, the Nexus 6P. Oh, and by the way, I'm talking the previous phones were the Nexus 5 and not the Note. As Robert pointed out on um, Twitter, Robert Menes, hi Robert. Um, he pointed out that uh, the uh, the Note was at the Note, which was of the same generation as the Nexus 5, didn't have these flaws. So there's that. So we now have a Nexus 6P. These are glorious phones. Screen's humongous though. It just barely fits into my hand. And it does weigh more, but it feels like it's made with sturdier parts and not so much plastic, which is, which is nice. It has two mic, it has two speakers, one on the back, one on the front. The back speaker is intended as a noise cancellation. No. Yeah, back, yeah, no, two microphones and two speakers. One on the back is for noise cancellation and one is for actual listening. So what the speak, so what the speaker on, the, the microphone on the back does is it listens for, uh, ambient and background noises and cancels them out as best it can 
whilst while allowing the uh, listener, while allowing the speaker to still come through crystal clear. So this means that when you call someone who has this phone and they're um, talking to you on via speakerphone for hands-free purposes, since there are laws now in some countries such as Canada requiring you to have hands-free devices when driving, it now means that you don't hear yourself echo and you don't get irritated. So I know Brian's happy about this because um, he had been using a Bluetooth speaker which he previously appended to his uh, divisor above the driver's side. Um, so he was happy to get rid of that. So that's about it. These cell phones are pretty good. We uh, are awaiting our cases from Amazon. We ordered a couple of Spigen cases, uh, transparent cases from uh, Amazon. They should be arriving today. Um, let's see. Do I have any other pre-show notes that I need to be worried about? Oh, uh, nope. That looks like it's it. So what have I played this week? Well, I played at Ca- Adventure Capitalist. There was an... Oh, right. <laughs> I keep thinking I should go into what I played, but that's right. Last week, we didn't podcast, so I guess we need to catch up a bit. So, last week, we uh, let you nice listeners know in advance that we wouldn't be podcasting. A cousin of mine from Ottawa had come in t- to visit because we needed to make sure that I had a dress for her wedding. Um, she had asked me months ago to be her bridesmaid, one of three. She doesn't have a maid of honor, so as bridesmaids are all equal. And so... The core objective of her visit was to was to get the shoes and dress. Luckily, luckily for me, I don't have to wear heels, but at the same time, I'm wearing Converse shoes. Hmm, running shoes and a dress. That's going to be an interesting look, but hopefully it's comfortable. The dress itself wasn't too bad. Fortunately, I had some freedom of choice. And the color is actually halfway decent. Hooray! A nice, a nice marine blue, which means... Let's see. Actually, Brian described tried to describe this blue as being like the blue castle in the middle of a fish tank is what he thought it was. I was I I'm like wait a minute, isn't it darker than that? So he has yet to see the actual dress. He's only seen me. He hasn't seen it yet, but he's gonna be coming with me to the alterations. So yeah, I found we found the style of dress, but just not the right color. So they're ordering in that, and so now I have my. Uh, Mini brides uh, waiting to hear back, waiting for me to say, yes, the dress is in and the alterations are done. I don't blame her for being a little um, empty about it just because uh, the other girls have their dresses already. I was the last one. So that's how I spent the weekend, partially getting dresses. And the latter half of her visit was spent going to a bar, having a few drinks. And as you probably noticed on Twitter, Brian seemed to have been a wee bit drunk. Yeah, he doesn't handle his alcohol very well, but he decided that he wanted to have some drinks anyways. And no trolls. We are not doing an episode with us drunk and you sober. That's not going to happen. Oh, but here's the good news. We managed to walk home without walking into anything, including ditches. (laughs) But, um, let's see. Oh, of course, um... We didn't, uh, I didn't make dinner. Instead, we, uh, went out for pizza. So, yay, pizza. Pizza's good. Yeah, so we didn't get a chance to podcast, but that's okay, because now we have this, and we also have, um, our joint podcast between, uh, Square Waves FM and Upper Memory Block. That is actually, and that will be posted separately, so you can go download it if you want. So, and or not it's up to you 
that one is going to be uh, produced in two different versions. Well, the uh, core of the show is going to be, remain the same, but the uh, end edits will be different since uh, we're both having or putting in our own themes and our own ending songs. So if you listen to both Upper Memory Block and Square Waves FM, you, can, you only have to worry about downloading that episode once, even though it's going to be posted twice, once from our account and once from Joe's account. So that's about it. Um, what else is in the news? Well, the news is depressing. All that bad stuff happens. But as Mr. Rogers would say, his mother taught him, when there's tragic events, don't look for the negative. Look for the helpers. Well, speaking of looking for helpers, yesterday, my father, who is on our previous, on a previous episode of ours, was out uh, in our neighborhood and encountered a gentleman in distress. Apparently this man uh, was in the middle of having a stroke. My father managed, was able to communicate with him, get him propped up and have and have the EMTs notified immediately so the man was uh, able to get the help he needed without delay. From what I recall, he told me from what I recall, he told me that the EMTs were quite prompt and um but he did remain with the gentleman until uh, the EMTs remained. So it didn't sound like it took too long for the ambulance to come, which is quite remarkable, and kudos to them. We have great uh, emergency services here in Toronto. In fact, if we want to talk about emergency services, I believe it was Thursday night? No, Wednesday night. <laughs> yeah, Wednesday night at around 11.15. Brian was already asleep. I was about to fall asleep. And the fire alarm goes off. Ooh. If you live in an apartment building, sometimes these, they have, most, a good apartment building will have a really good hearty alarm. Oh, this one is like, I don't know how to describe it, but it gets you up. You do not, you cannot ignore it. So, fire alarm goes off. As we're in the middle of rushing to get, well, carefully hurrying along to get our stuff together and get uh, Joey in her little travel cage so we can go downstairs. The uh, fire department comes on the uh, PA system and announces that there is smoke. And they said that there's reports of smoke. So we got out of here pretty quickly. I believe that there were about four trucks on the ground level. In fact, before we before I actually heard the alarm, I heard the sound of sirens, about two or three instances of sirens, and I was wondering where they were going. Turns out they were coming to our building. So Toronto the Fire Department had an well had an amazing response time. Never mind the fact that they are about a block away. The response time was incredible. It was also interesting to see our neighbors downstairs. A lot of people with uh, cats, dogs, and kids. Um, of course, when you ha- when you're the only person with a bird who decides to randomly go, baby, you of course you will get looks and people will uh, come over and ask you about this because people rarely see these exotic creatures. So we got a few uh, people coming over to ask us about the bird, and Joey got a bit of attention, so she was happy about that. She was also she also was pretty calm, although she decided to bite her little travel cage a whole bunch. So. After the excitement died down, turns out that uh, it was someone who smelled smoke rather than seeing it. We came back upstairs and went back to sleep. So yeah, Toronto Fire Services and our other emergency services are amazing. And not all heroes wear capes. 
somewhere medical alert, medical uh, gear or fire gear so big shout out to the uh great folks there great to hear that uh great to know that we had our uh, tax dollars are uh, hard at work so that's all the excitement from here so what have i played this week well there was an, an recent event in adventure capitalist it was um okay but it turns out that what happened was the developers for the uh, event did not foresee uh, the issues. The um, multiplier for the event actually was quite low, so it resulted in uh, a lot of players coming out to complain that they were not going to be able to finish and that even people using cheats, like speedups, were finding themselves unable to even reach the end. So if the cheaters can't reach the end, there's got to be something wrong with uh, the way the uh, event was programmed. So. I'm not a fan of cheaters, but in a way, the cheaters were did highlight an interesting, pardon me, issue with this particular event. So, to their credit, I believe Hyper Hippo is their name, was it uh, increased the multiplier so that way more people could finish within the allotted time. This isn't the first time an event has uh, either not uh, been programmed right or was going to uh, take too long to complete. I know for a previous event, I believe it was the holiday one, no, the New Year's one. They actually increased the duration by a few days to help pe- to allow people to finish. Some people, of course, some people won't finish, of course, but they. But the idea is that it allows the people who started within a day or two of the event beginning to uh, complete it. So we finished it, and yay for the developers listening to the players. And the developers of this game actually do listen to players. I know I did something really stupid with uh, some of my in-game currency. I wound up spending it on something I didn't mean to, and I totally didn't read the warning. Anyway, so I I turned around, sent a screen cap and a um, and a request for help. They said that although they can't give me what I was wanting, they said here enter this code and it will uh, at least restore the money that you the in-game money that you mistakenly spent elsewhere so that was cool of them so yes adventure capitalist it's somewhat pay to play but it's but you cannot but you can earn currency in-game without paying so it's it's pretty good they cater to both crowds what else am i playing i play i uh, recently got an artifacts monday but artifacts monday bundle Ugh. Can't say that fast. From Indie Gala, and it included um, Emerald Maiden Symphony of Dreams. Uh, this is one of the newer point. This is one of the newer hidden object games that I've been playing. These are less about the actual hidden object scenes and more about gathering the items that you need to complete puzzles. So it is a fusion of point-and-click adventure and hidden objects. The hidden object scenes are actually well done to the point that there's not a bunch of worthless clutter and stuff isn't like so blended into the background that you can't see it. The only time I couldn't see something is when um, there was a when the uh, sun is just above the horizon and it's coming in through my window. But that's partially my fault for taping the drapes up so I can use my air conditioner. Pardon me. So this, so Emerald Maiden. Essentially, you st- you're the female protagonist. You were abandoned at birth, and all you have to remember your mother by is a special amulet you were left. You one day at, when you're 25, you get an invitation to visit this uh, strange underwater 
place. It kind of, the introduction actually felt kind of like Bioshock. One, no, Bioshock. Yeah, Bioshock one and a little, and a little like Bioshock Infinite. You know, you're in your, <coughs> you're in your little pod and you go underwater, etc. But, so once you're in, you go around and you find the stuff. And you ultimately encounter this mask that has, like, the ability to manipulate dreams or stuff. Turns out to be evil. Ooh, evil mask. <laughs> that was taken from natives because, of course, why not? Why not take the stuff from the natives? Because what could possibly go wrong by taking this mysterious artifact from the natives? Let's see, what else have I played? Nightmares from the Deep. Um, so I played, this is a three-part series, and the story actually spans all three games, even though each game could stand alone on its own. So there's not, so I played Nightmares from the Deep 2, Siren's Call, and Nightmares from the Deep 3, Davy Jones. So there is an overarching enemy throughout them all, Davy Jones, who actually, you find out in the third game, has unique motives and was a human and it, being human, he's flawed and fell victim to his own desires, etc., etc. So, first game, you're Captain Remington, and you're seeking revenge, of course, against the uh, ships that are sailing around because uh, they were um, because you were an evil pirate, and the British killed you and your evil pirate friends at a ball when you were trying to marry the uh, daughter of the British captain because why not? Why not marry her after you kidnap her because reasons! So he had a cursed amulet and by getting the cursed amulet you could save your daughter. Yeah. So your daughter is essentially uh, Princess Peach and you are Mario even though you're a woman. So I would say let's say you're Maria! <laughs> because every Italian woman and Spanish woman has Maria in her name for some reason. Just kidding! So then second one is about a siren, a.k.a. Mermaid, who's been kidnapped and there was a pact with Davy Jones, etc., etc. She essentially needs to be freed so that way the Kraken isn't used to turn against ships. Because reasons. And finally, the last one was actually about Davy Jones. So you find out his motivations and as you uh, go through the game, you... Uh, Use special tokens to unlock the story by giving them to the guardians who allegedly guard Davy Jones's memory, which is quite, which is an interesting way of revealing the story. I actually can't believe I'm saying this, but I enjoyed, I kind of enjoyed uh, <laughs> listening to the story as much as I don't want to admit it. I am admitting it. So that was awesome. It was nice to see a hidden object game span have a have a decent story that spanned three games, but yet. Each was able to stand on its own. What else have I played? World of Warcraft, because uh, partly inspired by seeing the movie, I decided to roll a horde too, since I was uh, up to my eyeballs in Alliance. And since I am an Alliance player, what do I do? I roll Blood Elf. <laughs> so I now have two Blood Elves, one male, one female. Not that there looks like there's much of a difference seeing as how the uh, male blood elves in World of Warcraft are all a bunch of androgynous, mass androgynous, hairless little twerps. Well, actually, they kind of have this big muscular looking chest, but what facial hair? They really just look like, I don't know what, but they kind of remind me of the men in the uh, manga I read. They're like a little effeminate, but at the same time, they're a touch masculine, so there's like no real facial hair, but 
I don't know how else to describe it. Maybe I, should, I would link to uh, an example from the manga I read. That would be graphic novels for you folks out there who aren't familiar with the term manga. But um, I'm afraid I might traumatize our users. And besides which, we already have a Trolls on a Bagel. That's traumatizing enough. So, what else have we played? Oh, uh, yeah. I played some Sims 4 because there was a new game pack out. Just for those of you who are wondering... Uh, the Sims 4 has broken it down in, in Maxis for the Sims, for this fourth Sims expansion, uh, game, has broken the, uh, game into three types. There's game, then there's the, the game expansions, which add new gameplay and content. There's game packs. Game packs are not quite an expansion. They do, they add, um, like new areas, but they don't necessarily encant, but they don't add new gameplay types. So that's an interesting experience. They will add new areas and give you, um, clothes, etc. So the most recent one is dining out, which I mentioned earlier. So you essentially have the ability, to, and then the final one before I go into what dining out is about is the stuff pack. So stuff packs are clothing, hair, and chairs, 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 and the occasional piece of furniture. But yes, chairs, because for some reason, every stuff pack must have chairs, chairs. So dining out, you are essentially given the opportunity to run a restaurant. The game itself comes with a base restaurant, Shea Lama. <laughs> Didn't like that name, so I promptly changed it to Shea Le Douchewad. Um, I created my own restaurant, The Corpulent Gentleman, after I destroyed a property that was uh, otherwise occupied by some random sims I couldn't give two shits about. So I haven't yet run a restaurant, but I have sent my sims to a restaurant. What's interesting is that uh, you can customize your restaurants to whatever degree you want so you can choose the menu you can choose from presets for the menu and you can choose i believe they had like diner italian experimental and seafood or you could create a custom menu from and uh, the custom menu could include oh, could include the experimental type food or anything in between you could make help this is the kind of game where you could make a restaurant where all you serve is microwave dinners and water i'm serious but of course, why would I? I didn't want to do that. So I made a restaurant that that was sort of like um, I wouldn't call it. It wasn't fusion, but it was like North American style. You can also. What else can you do? Well, you can uh, determine the attire for your uh, staff. That means that it that means that you can decide what your cooks, servers, and hosts wear. So. I created custom outfits on in the restaurant I made for my uh, staff, and I'm and, and since I'm an equal opportunist, I decided that it's important for for my waiters or wait waiters and waitresses or servers, if you want to be politically correct, to have the same uniform. So I gave um my male and female servers the same uniform, which means that I have dudes wearing a skirt. <laughs> I gave the dudes a skirt. <laughs> I can't wait to see how that turns out. I haven't sent any of my sims to that restaurant yet, but we'll see how that goes. My sir, my, uh, uh, you are going in your cage. I don't want you going on the floor. Sorry about that. The bird's being a brat. Okay, so then I gave, so then I uh, dressed up my uh, cooks and hosts in appropriate attire. Well, no skirts for them. Just skirts for the um, white staff because why not? Um, I customized the menu. I even built the restaurant from the ground up, so it was laid out exactly how I want. 
It's a really nice thing about this game is I could have, you you know, downloaded somebody else's uh, pre-made garbage or I could make my own uh, half-ass cobbled together shit. And I like my cobbled together shit. It's awesome. So I finally have enough money on my main family to go own a restaurant, which I should probably try out so I can talk a little bit more about that. But before I do, I did send them, I did send my married couple to actually try out the other restaurant on a date. That did not go so well. I only got a silver medal because the, his stupid wife kept getting up on the table to go talk to some nosy-ass uh, townies. I'm going, woman, get back to the fucking table and eat your goddamn food. <laughs> uh, the guy at least ate, the, the guy ate, the husband ate his food at least, but the woman kept getting up. Uh, so infuriating. I don't care about your free will. I should have just turned off free will in the game. Yeah, the game has all this free will stuff, but I really should turn off free will. I don't fucking care what you want to do. I'm got here, and I am go Yeah, blast me, blast me, blast me. I'm- this is my little world, and you're gonna do what I want you to do. So yeah, dining out. So far, so good. I believe Lazy Games actually has a review on that. So, LGR, dining out. So I'll uh, put that in the show notes because he has a good review of that. He has a pretty good impartial review even if he doesn't like something. So he's a good guy to listen to. So what else have I played this week? And I think that is absolutely it. Did I try anything else? I don't believe I have. Hmm. Let's see. Nope, I have not played anything else this week. So that's it for what I for, uh, the stupid crap that I've played. So let's get into the actual topic this week, cooking and cooking games. We'll start off by talking about cooking games. For those of you who aren't familiar, there are there is a bit of a genre, but the but cooking does appear in other games themselves, but not to but not as a simulation. So for example, cooking does occur in our in MMOs, but it's often done as a skill or a craft. So all you really see is a progress bar, and you may see a little icon appear in your inventory to represent the food, and then you can have your person eat the food by having them sit down and they eat what looks like, you know, some sort of food. Interestingly enough, in Warcraft, sometimes you can create like a big meal, and then when you put it down on the ground, because there's no such thing as tables for some reason, it actually shows what looks like the food dish, which is kind of neat. Similar things occur in uh, Guild Wars 2, which has its own uh, crafting options for food and everything, etc. And in Lord of the Rings online. Um, but they don't really simu simulate anything, so it's more like a progress bar than actually showing the uh, cooking of food. S uh, Sims... The Sims 2, 3, and 4 have cooking as well, but I wouldn't say that those are cooking simulators, despite the fact that they're simulators. They do show, you know, the, the meal being cooked and the uh, Sims' level of skill increasing and as as they become more proficient with the uh, creation of meals. So it kind of lets you feel like, it kind of represents real life in that, that you know, you start off, you don't know how to shit, cut shit, you're going to cut yourself, you burn stuff. You spill stuff. You're just a generally clumsy mess at the beginning, but as you get better, your seals get better, and you can, you know, do all these little tricks, and you can do little fun things. So at least in that way, The Sims shows, re reflects, you know, how your skills can progress. But once again, it doesn't really show, simulate any aspect of actual cooking. If you want games that do that, there are games like that. For example, for the Wii, for the Nintendo Wii and the Nintendo DS, there's the Cooking Mama franchise. 
Cooking Mama is essentially the uh, the cornerstone of this type of game. It's like the one that represents all of these, uh, represents the genre. You are, they don't, in newer games, you can pick your character, but otherwise you're just a generic kid who cooks with Mama. You have all these dishes, and uh, each dish you pick has a number of steps. And some steps may be, you know, chop the tomato, and it will show you slicing a tomato. Other steps will be slice, uh, peel, and chop the onion, or peel and dice the onion. So in a way, you get to kind of get a feel on, you know, what it looks like when you're chopping. You're not actually chopping, but you get a pretty close approximation. At the same time with the onion, you kind of understand, oh, it has the skin. Let's remove the skin. So it gives you an idea of what to, if, if you actually had a real onion, you would remove the skin. Let's see. Oh, another one is rice. So right, a lot of people don't think of washing rice. But yeah, Ross, if you have uh, white rice, jasmine, run-of-the-mill white rice, basmati, you really want to wash it before you start cooking it because it removes some of the starch and it gives it a nicer end flavor. So you would uh, so usually for white rice or any of those types, you would wash it about two to three times. You give it a good rinse with... Uh, cold water is fine. Give it a good rinse with cold water and then you dump it out. What I like about Cooking Mama is it shows you... It has you washing your rice and then carefully dumping out so you don't dump the rice out into the sink which you don't want to do in real life anyways because you're picking this up grain by grain and who wants to pick it up grain by grain and so you wash it and that's what i like is washing the rice in the cooking mama game is very similar to washing it in real life however let's consider brown rice brown rice is interesting because it's actually a whole grain and being a whole grain it's it's also in its hull so Although you can, although it's advisable to wash it, you can get away with washing it just like a quick once over and then putting it in your pot. And if you want to have really good brown rice, you put it in your uh, rice cooker. And I'm pretty, and we've mentioned this before, but if you have a rice cooker and you're only, and you're using it only occasionally and just for like a white rice, you don't need anything fancy. The uh, cheaper models are at like the cheaper one or two button models are sufficient because you don't they don't need they don't all they have to do is just cook the rice but because brown rice is a grain and it has all these and had different properties you a you would want a cooker that can uh, accommodate these so we for this reason we use a uh, slightly fancier uh, japanese rice cooker that we ordered off amazon it's beautiful it does the job it makes this beautiful fluffy right right fluffy fluffy brown rice i had been cooking rice in a pot and it's actually and cooking rice in a pot is a is a very delicate operation because you don't want to release the steam from the rice and but at the same time you want to cook down the water without burning the rice to the bottom of the pot white rice is probably the easier grain to work with notably basmati which is probably the which takes the least amount of time to cook i found that cooking brown rice like this meant that i um didn't I had I didn't cook it long enough. It although it cooked so it was edible, it didn't I found I wasn't cooking it long enough to actually get it get the seed to open up and uh, make this beautiful fluffy grain. And for those of you who are wondering, risotto is actually a rice dish. It's made with arborio rice. Despite and despite it's and yes, it's not a pasta, it is a rice. It's probably the most western of rices, so it's an interesting one. So the, and that one you can actually cook the 
rice in the frying pan. So this one doesn't you it doesn't this one arboreal rice doesn't cook the way the other rices do. So that one's a fun one. If you want to challenge yourself to learn how to cook something different, look up a recipe for arboreal rice. Or I'll put one I'll put one in the link for, in the show notes for you. So let's see. Okay, so I'll put in a recipe for risotto. Risotto. There we go. Sorry, my keyboard's really clacky. Apparently, it sounds like uh, barbershop scissors. Nip, 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 nip. So, there's that. Another, and before I go into more about cooking, another exa- another good cooking simulator um, is called Cooking Academy. I believe this is from Big Fish. It might not be necessarily be one of theirs, but I played it through the uh, Big Fish game launcher, so... Yeah, that's a fun one. Once again, it uh, follows the, st- the simulation uh, model of having individual steps for each part of the recipe. So you chop and peel vegetables, you um, dice, slice, etc. It doesn't really have, um, it doesn't really show you um, anything interesting beyond uh just the basics, like it doesn't show you any of the fancier kitchen utensils, such as a mandolin. Wow, I am so sorry about that. It looks like my phone rang because I had it delivered. Anyways, so, what was I? Ah, uh, yes. The assorted knife collection. I had an, I had just serrated blades before, and although they do the job, they're not as precise as having a paring knife, a, but a uh, chef knife, or a filleting knife. Serrated knives are actually better for bread or stuff that needs to kind of be quote-unquote sawed through. So, or for, yes, yeah, so serrated blades. What's an example of them? A steak knife is a serrated blade. Or there's really big ones which you might use to slice a, loaf, slice a loaf of bread, but I wouldn't use those to slice my chicken. Especially if you have to deal or or pork or anything where you have to deal with a little bit of fat. You want something that's smooth and sharp, like a like a uh, chef's knife. So, moving on from that, most of the games that I've mentioned before, they, they show some of these knives, but not a whole lot. But what they do show you are, is, the tech, is uh, an idea of what the technique should look like, even if they don't show you the hands. But the biggest thing that I've really noticed is Keep your fingers the hell out of the way. I haven't, I've uh, learned the hard way. I've lost, I've cut off nails. Can't count the number of times I've inadvertently almost bled into the food I've been prepping. So yeah, even if you know what you're doing, you can still cut yourself. I've seen plenty of pros on television wind up cutting themselves. They're also a good way to uh, learn how to uh, develop good flavor profiles with uh, unusual ingredients. For example, cutthroat kitchen and uh, chopped. And it's Canadian version Chopped Canada. All have, uh, can give you a good idea of how to create dishes from the most obscure ingredients. It's not even like a usual stuff you'd find in your kitchen, however. I mean, who the hell would keep, I don't know, um, gooey duck in their fridge? I'm, for the, um, I guess I'll just, I can't even begin to describe gooey duck. I'll just, I'll just put an image in the uh, show notes of gooey duck. And the stupid thing is, this thing looks like gooey duck. It's spelled differently than it looks. It looks like it's spelled like geoduck, but it's pronounced gooey duck. Apparently it's some sort of uh, sea thing urchin. Uh, But I digress. (laughs) So, knives, mandolins, 
Good sharp useful utensils. Also great on the flesh. What else? Hmm. Ah uh, yes. These other th things I've noticed is that um, they show a lot. Th there's always a lot of rice cleaning in these games. But uh, it should be noted that the cleaning of rice is uh, more important for uh, white for varieties of white rice rather than brown rice. White rice tend to be uh, tend to be starchier. So, for example, white jasmine and basmati rice would need to be washed thoroughly three times. Rather than or in brown rice doesn't need to be washed, but it doesn't hurt to do give it a quick rinse through. The difference is that brown rice is as a is like a seed because it's still in the hull, but when you cook it, it flowers out and it puffs up. Whereas the other rices, like the white rices, are not in their hulls, and so they don't they just puff up normally, but they don't really puff out the way the other ones do. So yes, those are complex. Those the white rice. It's not a complex carbohydrate. It's just your regular run of the mill refined carb. So just because you're eating rice. Doesn't mean it's healthy. That's your. That's one of your healthy tidbits for the moment. So, if you're going to cook rice, make sure you wash it first. And one good thing about these games is they taught me how don't wash too vigorously because you're going to splash water everywhere and knock some of the rice into the sink. Same with pouring out. Pour out carefully because if you pour out too quickly, the rice goes in the sink. And I don't want to pick up one rice grain at a time. That's just painfully tedious. What else? Hmm. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cooking surfaces. I've noticed that um, no recipe, just because a recipe tells you to cook something at a certain temperature doesn't mean it has to be cooked at a certain temperature. Yes, meat has to be cooked all the way through if it's chicken or some sort of poultry. Duck can be served rare, but when it comes to the temperature, that's some recipes, you'll find that um, you really need to uh, be in tune to your uh, into the uh, heartbeat of your appliance because it may not necessarily cook at the expected temperature that the recipe prescribes. So, for example, it might cook hotter than it says, so you may, you'll have to turn it down or cook lower. That A lot of that ultimately de depends on your intuition as you get to know the uh, subtle nuances of your appliances. If you're used to one and you get a new one, it's another instance, even the uh, pros have to learn to adapt to uh, understand the finickiness of their new tools. <laughs> what else is... Damn it, I am drawing a blank all of a sudden. Ah, uh, yes. So, might as well go back to rice for a second because rice is a fun topic. Arborio rice. For those of you who don't know, arborio is used in risotto. And risotto is mistakenly assumed to be a pasta dish. It is actually not. How's that for fun? And arborio rice needs to be washed, but it's cooked in a frying pan. It is not boiled in water. Haha. -ha. Because, hey, why not just keep things complicated? Because, well, not all cooking needs to be complicated. No, not all cooking is one step. Not all cooking is... How many fucking steps is that? Oh, God, you're kidding me. Is that going to be 20 steps? Fuck! A lot of it is, you know, five or six steps, requiring a bit of supervision, but not too much. Of course, supervising your dish 
can usually uh, ensure that you don't set anything on fire or have stuff smoke. It usually helps if you do your mise en place. Uh, mise en place is um, a French term to mean your preparation. This is usually the chopping of your vegetables and anything that goes into your meal beforehand. However, yes, so basically... It ensures that your mise en place is, assumes your mise en place is done so you don't have to contend with that later. Otherwise, you start to burn stuff, as I have done in the past. But if you're cooking stuff on a lower temperature, you actually uh, have more room for error, whereas if you're cooking at a high temperature. However, there are some things that really do need to be cooked on a higher temperature because they don't cook properly at a lower temperature. So, that's how, that's why it's important to know your appliance. Your appliance is, Mm, it's a very delicate thing. It has feelings, and if you yell at it, it'll probably just burn your dinner because, hey, fuck you. I haven't yelled at mine yet, although I have probably yelled at a few... I haven't... Although I usually just yell if I throw my knife on the floor, or I drop stuff, or my cabinet doesn't close and hits me in the head. Because fuck my kitchen, it's a piece of fucking garbage. I mean, who... What the hell? Who the hell paints over the magnets in the kitchen? I mean, okay, I've been in this apartment for nine years. I have a, I should have fixed it by now, but really, seriously, when you, when you paint someone's, when you paint an apartment in preparation for someone to move in, why do you paint over the fucking magnets on a cabinet? What the hell? Okay, I know, tangent. But seriously, I, I didn't even think of this at the time, so I'm like, okay, I just thought, I thought nothing of it. I thought, you know, this apartment building was built in the 60s. Yes, maybe some stuff doesn't work perfectly, but oh well. Of course, I didn't think to realize that, hey, the morons who painted the apartment in preparation painted over the magnets. I guess I'll have to leave a note for uh, building management when we do eventually move apartments to say, hey guys, don't paint over the magnets next time because, hey, I'm bumping my head on this piece of shit and it's gotten to the point where I bump my head and I don't swear anymore. Yeah, that's not good. If I'm just going, uh, instead of, oh, fuck, son of a bitch, clunk, clang, bang, then, you know, something's wrong. Yeah, so apparently, oh, yeah, that's right, apparently I have a bad mouth when I'm in the kitchen, but I'm getting better. It also helps if I don't cut myself, burn myself, or, you know, set my stove on fire, which I've done once, but that was because some stuff dripped beneath the burner coil. Yeah, I don't have one of those nice flat modern ovens where it's just like flat surface that heats up. No, I got one of those electric coils and, you know, you got the burner bib underneath and of course stuff drips into there and it all accumulates into a nice pile of, uh, disgusting gelatinous goo that uh, solidifies and ew, I gotta change the burner bib. I don't want to touch that. Ugh. So, my stove sometimes hates me, but most of the time it doesn't hate me. But my favorite, and so, on your stove, in order to proceed, you need your pots. Once again, the uh, most of these games don't really show you much in terms of pots. You see what looks like sauce pots and maybe a soup pot and frying pans. But they don't really show you much difference. So, it kind of gives you an idea, but it doesn't really give you much of anything. If you want to see usage of, ut of uh, pots and pans, I'd say cooking shows are your best bet. Anything where uh, you can watch the cooks uh, manipulate them. Of course, some of these guys are just amazing and they don't even use utensils. I mean, sh shuffling your uh, dish back and forth when you're sauteing without utensils and then flipping. Oh, I can't do that yet. I'm always in awe of when I can see the uh, pros uh, flip and saute their stuff without uh, so much as uh, burning it, without uh, breaking a sweater, uh, breaking out the spatulas. Ah, uh, yes. So... What can I say about pots and pans? Stainless steel. 
are is probably the best way to go with copper bottoms for uh, heat conductivity. Teflon and other nonstick surfaces, although they're great, they actually the they, they say the chemicals are non-toxic, but I don't believe them, especially because um, there's always the chance that you can burn that or worse or not only burn it, but you can, if you're not using the right utensils, you can scrape off the coating, which then leaks into your food and it becomes toxic. So, you, you don't have that problem with stuff, with stainless steel uh, pots and pans or those with copper bottoms. Um, like I said, of course, the, the food doesn't stick and you don't need as much oil, but but sometimes you need to, tr you need to figure what's a better trade-off. Non-stick or using a bit of oil for uh, pots and pans that uh, if you scrub really hard, you don't have to worry about wearing off the uh, special coating. I've uh, noticed I have scrubbed hard enough to wear off a coating. Like It starts off that you have little chips in the coat, and that's all it takes for it just to break down. So, I mean, you wind up spending more on these things than you do on stainless steel. So, yes, at the start, stainless steel and copper-plated uh, bottom pots and pans are more expensive but in the long term they actually are more durable because you can really get in there with the elbow grease and just wipe off that dash marts you don't even need to worry oh am i using the right sponge can i use the itchy side of my sponge when i'm cooking and does it go in the dishwasher uh oh man i wish i had a dishwasher of course i don't have a dishwasher why would i need a dishwasher i live in a shitty ass apartment built in the 60s who needs a dishwasher when you can rub everything you can scrub everything yourself oh, i hate washing dishes but Eh, yeah, stupid dishes. Of course, that's the uh, price I pay for cooking stuff myself. If takeout was cheap, I'd get it all the time. But no, takeout isn't cheap when you uh, live with more when you're not living by yourself. Takeout's cheap when you're by yourself, and then you don't have to cook, and then you don't have to worry about dishes. But when you uh, live with somebody, then takeout becomes expensive, and then you have to start doing your dishes, and then you have to start accounting for things like is it coated, is it not coated? Hey, did this food stick to it? Hey, no. Oh, good. What did I cook last night? Oh, look, I didn't burn it. So, yeah. Hmm. None of, of course, these games don't teach you any of that. But Sims, of course, does a very good job of showing you what happens when you have absolutely no cooking skill. Oh, did I remember to put a fire alarm in my house? Oh, of course not. Oh, look, my sim set itself on fire for the billionth time. Speaking of sims, I actually mentioned before I had a legacy house and... I had three sims all set themselves on fire at the stove on different occasions. <laughs> well, at least I can safely say I haven't actually set myself on fire. I imagine that would hurt quite a bit. But I have, of course, set my stove on fire. I've set parchment paper on fire. Which is why I keep a fire extinguisher in my kitchen. Very important. It's about, you know, the, the length of my forearm. It's It was an inexpensive investment, but worth keeping. Fortunately, I haven't had a microwave fire yet. I know someone who has, but I have had a stovetop fire, and you do not want to throw water on that. But what you do want to do is grab a lid and and uh, smother the fire if it's in the pot. Um, if the fire is in the burner, then you want to take that off and use. And if you have a good lid that's big enough to cover the burner, use that if you can. Do uh, once again turn off the element and smother it. Uh, fire is fueled by oxygen and if you can uh, deprive the fire of oxygen while you uh, get your your, uh, your tools out that's good better yet how about we just don't set the kitchen on fire okay <laughs> um i think the only time i really did set the guy and i did have a fire in my stove brian was home so he'd handle it while i'm standing there being a sim ah oh ah you know freaking out and uh panicking because i don't because 
I'm a chicken without my head on. Without, without a head, eh? <laughs> so, what practical advice can I offer? Besides, of course, don't set the kitchen on fire. Hmm. I think if you're going to learn to cook, the first thing you need to know is how to handle eggs. Because there's a lot of dishes that use eggs. You need to know how to crack an egg. You need And uh, how to separate yolks. And how to make a hard-boiled egg. Because making if you know how to make a hard-boiled egg, you can actually make a couple of other dishes right away. So not only can you make a hard-boiled egg to have as a protein with your breakfast, but you can turn that hard-boiled egg into an egg salad. Or you can turn it into deviled eggs. So, the best way to make hard-boiled eggs. I use a small sauce pot. I fill it so there's just enough water to bring it to a boil. And the, when I put the eggs in, I have it so that the eggs are somewhat sticking out of the water. The, the concept is you want the eggs to cook using the steam that's been gathered in the pot rather than the water itself. And it's because, and this, and this is why. When you put the eggs in the water, they have they've most likely been in the fridge. And so what, so by putting them in this hot water, well, it's still hot. Even though it's going to still be hot, you were taking away the boil that it's been brought to. And so you effectively reduced the temperature down to uh, what it was before. You effectively reduced the temperature significantly. The steam, however, does not have its temperature impacted. And so when you put the eggs in and you immediately cover it up, the idea is you want, you're cooking the eggs using the steam. And that is what uh, helps cook the eggs completely through. I've also, and so, and ultimately it means that these eggs are easier to peel. And we all want easy to peel eggs. Oh, and yeah, when you're done hard, hard uh, cooking your eggs, usually 10 to 12 minutes, depending on your stove. Because that's the most important thing to remember is that not all stoves operate at the same temperature. Is you want to shock in really cold ice water. And if you don't have ice on hand, uh, just use an ice pack. That's what I've done. I've got a nice small ice pack. That I have just for cooking. In fact, two of them. If uh, my ice pack, if uh, one ice pack is out of commission, so soak it in that, shock it, and then peel. The other method I've seen, and it was uh, used by I believe was it Tyler Florence on Worst Cooks in America, or was it Bobby Flay on Worst Cooks in America? One of those two guys. I think it was Bobby Flay. I tried this cooking at home, this technique that he showed at home, and it did not work out as well as I thought. What he did was he started with cold water, put the eggs in, and then cooked them from that point, and then once the water was boiling, let the eggs just simmer in this water for X number of minutes. I tried that, and my eggs, although they were cooked through, didn't have the, the, the oaks were not as silky as I thought, and the shell actually did not peel off as easily as it did with the other method, which I had seen on a different program. I'm not able to recall the name off the top of my head, but honestly, it's better to cook the eggs using steam than water. Yes, the eggs still cook, but the steam does a better job of helping the uh, the shell come off a little bit from the uh, cooked egg itself, which means you can peel it more easily. And so good. So once you have good hard-boiled eggs, you can make your uh, salad, eggs, your egg salad sandwich, and you can make deviled eggs. And no, you don't need mayonnaise for either of those. You can actually use substitutions. And most substitutions use vinegar and mustard, which achieves this almost the same consistency, but it's healthier. Of course, if you have a surplus of eggs, you can always make your own mayonnaise. And in fact, the most basic mayonnaise recipes use one egg, 
um, some oil, usually olive oil, but you can use canola, and then salt and pepper to taste, and then you can add in whatever spices you want. Garlic's always a good one. Actually, this is probably one of the easiest sauces to make, because if you can make mayonnaise, all you need to make mayonnaise is either a nice whisk, so you can really get it going, or a blender, and you're done. The idea is just to uh, add enough oil to bring the, to make the to make it thick and uh, so it's not all runny. Uh, of course, remember the thing here to remember is you're using a raw egg, so you might want to be careful of that if you have uh, sensitivity to eggs. And otherwise, use pasteurized eggs, just like you might use pasteurized milk. Hmm. So what else can I offer? Yeah. I so I mentioned. Cutting your uh, vegetables up nice and evenly. Man mandolin. Ah, uh, yes. Spatulas. I actually used to only think, hey, I only need one spatula. But after watching cooking shows, I realized the importance of keeping multiple spatulas. Now, there's soft ones that are like, they have like rubber tips on them. And, they, and they're actually sometimes used for icing. Otherwise, I like those ones for making scrambled eggs. Because then you don't break and Because then you just gently turn over the eggs and you can help bring fluff them up. Whereas if you're using like a plastic, like a, yeah, just a plain spatula that you might use, like the ones that are typically con considered turners or wide angle spatulas may not make your eggs as fluffy and soft as you want. It'll cook them through and it'll help you turn them over so the one side doesn't burn, but you may not get the fluff, the fluffiness you do as if you were using a soft tip spatula. I'll put a couple of uh, spatula images in the uh, show notes so you can see the difference. Okay. But yeah, so what can I just kind of say about these games and related to cooking? Not much. I mean, they show, they simulate a lot of aspects, but not a lot of the nitty gritty, which is really, which only really comes from experience. And your experience can come from more than just cooking itself. It can come from watching TV shows, such as uh, Cutthroat Kitchen or Chopped, if you want to see uh, creative use of uh, dishes. Or Mind of the Chef, if you want to uh, actually get more into the technical aspects of cooking, development of, pro of flavor profiles, textures, and the like. And the thing to remember with this show is that, yes, they may show you measurements, but the, some of the recipes that they are uh, talking about will be derived from something their grandmother taught them. And, of course, there may not actually be cup measurements. They may be just be uh, off-the-cuff by taste measurements. They just... You just know. It's like cooker's intuition. You just know that, oh, that's not the right amount of sugar, or that's just the right amount of salt. Hmm. So, Mind of a Chef. Brian's been watching that one, and uh, it's okay. I've, I've watched it here and there. It's good for uh, just uh, listening. They do sometimes talk about, they will talk about the science of food. And there is a whole science behind a lot of food. And there is often a science behind the flavor profile. And, oh uh, yes, the flavor pro profile of food is what determines the taste. You can create simple flavors that are just like one note, or you can layer flavors, which means you create something that when you first taste, it tastes one way, but you know, after you swallow it, you, you taste something else, which makes you wonder, what is that? And then you take another bite, and then you kind of realize that the simple, that what you thought might have been a simple flavor is ultimately a complex flavor that is just delicately layered. So, and then, of course, cooking technique factors into whether or not it's tasty. 
and texture has a huge role. I mean, we often enjoy uh, one-note dishes in terms of texture, especially if the flavors are complex. For example, tiramisu can be a rather one-note uh, texture uh, dessert, but its flavors are ultimately layered. Same with uh, shepherd's pie. It's uh, more that's more or less a dish that can be uh, considered a, a just one note in terms of texture, but you can develop an excellent flavor profile if you season the potatoes, meat, and uh, peas or corn if you're not into peas very strategically. Of course, and then there is a uh, Asian cuisine such as stir fries, which can have which in which you have. A variety of textures and flavors. In fact, the key to creating an excellent stir fry is to mix in the different types of vegetables, your different and d- different meat and protein. So, a good stir fry would have a meat. Usually, uh, I would say put in a chicken. That's a good one because it uh, soaks up a lot of flavor. If you want to uh, keep a nice strong protein profile, use tofu and uh, cut it into cubes. Mushrooms add a nice uh, can add a nice uh, earthy t- flavor to it so then you can embrace and then you can bring out the uh, mushrooms uh, natural f- flavor by just using a sesame oil then peppers for crunch you may use uh, baby corn for something that is crunchy but then it also has like that the little ri- the little ridges hmm. what else have I Used. Oh, yes. Leafy greens for a bit of... Because then you get that... Uh, mm, just something that tastes like um, a lettuce, but it's cooked. It's quite nice. So, And then that's also where you would layer in ginger, garlic, salt, pepper, and then the assortment of uh, whatever spices you want. Sometimes something like a Chinese five spice, which includes uh, star anise, cinnamon, nutmeg, and a couple of other things. I can't recall what exactly. Or you can always uh, kick it up a notch and make it spicy with a little bit of sriracha. You can add a really nice uh, nutty component with peanuts. Peanuts are a great thing to add if you don't have to worry about a nut sensitivity or allergy. And in fact, if you want to get really fancy, what you do is you uh, is you get a peanut sauce, like a Thai peanut sauce, which already has a touch of spice in it, and then you add that in with the peanuts. So then you are combining the uh, sauce with its base component, which is the peanuts, just for this unique, wonderful flavor. And if you want, and then sometimes you don't even have to add rice. Rice is a good way to absorb extra sauce. But if your dish is light on sauce and it's already, or it's stuck to the vegetables, you can skip the rice and opt to have the uh, tofu as your base carb. But yet it doesn't, but yet it fortunately does not have the issues that a simple carb may, which is to say that it's a refined sugar and it'll ultimately just go to your ass or thighs. <laughs> so, unfortunately that, is something Brian is not a terrible fan of. He, he'll cry if I don't give him rice. He loves his rice. He'll eat the tofu dish when I give it to him, but he does ultimately prefer my uh, stir fry with rice or noodles. Soba noodles are a good one, and so are chow mein. Soba are easy to cook, and you can uh, cook those and then crisp them up either in your wok frying pan, or if you're really ambitious, just sprinkle some oil and stick it in your oven. If you want them to be like, if you want them to be cooked but crispy, but not wet from the um, sauce. I did this once. It actually made the uh, dish a little more interesting. 
because um, if you because uh, cooked noodles won't get crispy when you're putting them in a sauce, but if you want them to be crispy, then you want to cook them separately. But to create, but if you want everything to be um, nice and uniform and with the sauce, then I, I would say keep it all together, but know when to uh, mix in stuff. And as important as always, make sure your meat is thoroughly cooked. The exception, of course, being steak. If you're going to cook your steak thoroughly, just get a cheap cut of meat because you're not going to notice the bloody difference. If you're going to serve it rare or medium rare, then go ahead, splurge on a good piece. But no, don't waste money on something if you're just going to make it a piece of fucking chewed up leather. Blah. Uh, and then if you want and then a good meat that kind of works, even if it's like a touch pink in the middle, is pork. Pork tenderloin can be uh, left a little uncooked in the center, so it's just like a very little bit touch pink and it can be fine for your chicken is one thing that you have to cook all the way through and you can use a meat thermometer for all of these but you have to be careful because sometimes a meat thermometer can be deceptive and just because you think something isn't done doesn't mean that it, that's true the meat thermometer can actually uh, work against you if you're uh, if you previously relied on cooker's intuition to get something done hmm for example, I tried to cook steak in a frying pan. I was going to do sort of like a char on the outside and medium and in rare a medium rare in the middle. It did not work out because I tried a meat thermometer. I had a meat thermometer to uh, accompany it. I was quite sad that it didn't work out, but it would seem Brian liked it because I kept it juicy. Hmm. What else can I talk about? Ooh, grains. If you want to, like I know. A lot of people like potatoes, and potatoes are fine, but if you're like me and you're going, my doctor won't let me eat anything fun because it's making me a fat, it makes me fat, then you go, okay, I guess I'll have to eat grains then. Oh, I am so fucking sick of brown rice, just shoot me now. Well, fortunately, there is some ancient grains, and probably the easiest one to use is quinoa. It is, you can actually cook it the same way you cook rice in the pot. Um, two, uh, every cup of, you can use one cup of, uh, water to one cup of quinoa. And, uh, boil the water down and you get fluffy quinoa. Easy enough. If you really want to enhance the flavor of a grain, what you can do in this case is, uh, turn your pot into a frying pan with a little bit of oil and roast the quinoa beforehand. And then add in the water and bring it to a boil. Once it's done, then you can turn that into a bed on which to build your dish. So you can, and then you can achieve flavors by actually layering everything in um, after you cook it. So you don't always have to build flavors during cooking. You can build your flavors after when you when it, when you're uh, plating. So for example, you might do your quinoa at the bottom, a layer of vegetables such as asparagus, and then you put your meat on top. So then, so then when you cut into it, you get a bite of everything. So you get multiple layers of flavor and multiple layers of texture. So there's more than one way to accomplish uh, the textural and flavor profile aspects of a dish than just simply making it into one component. So that's basically what brings everything together. So the best way then would be to make sure you know how to cook eggs, how to cook meat, and not be afraid to just experiment. We're going to actually be trying, I'm going to be getting Brian to experiment a little on his vacation in a week or so. I hope it works. Right now, his primary cooking ability means he can cook burgers, and that's about it. But he cooks a pretty good burger. He doesn't know how to cut, though, because he's just generally hopeless, and 
I have to work on that with him. But he can make a burger. And, well, he can kind of make eggs. My eggs are superior, though. And, um, I think the only other thing he could make was craft dinner. If you don't know what craft dinner is, look up mac and cheese. It's the same thing. We just call it craft dinner in Canada because we're, we're, we're silly like that. So, cook people, cook. Tell me your stories. Tell me what you uh, like about cooking. I know Joe and his wife are, uh, avid chefs and they've done some pretty cool stuff. What about the rest of you? Do any of you cook? Do you have your own secret recipes? What about cooking to your parents? Any of you cook to your parents? I know I, I, uh, kinda didn't. My mother, didn't let me cook much in the kitchen because I didn't follow her directions and cut food exactly the way she wanted it. Uh, my dad, uh, he let me in the kitchen, but he burnt dinner. <laughs> so I kind of didn't really have any cooking skills when I, when I first married, got married to Brian. That would be almost nine years ago. And now I can cook. It's a miracle. I can't cook a lot of other stuff, but I'm slowly coming around to doing it. There are some things that I just kind of figured out. Some stuff that I don't know, and and I'm still learning how to do other stuff. In fact, I didn't until recently. I didn't even know how to cook a fried egg. I had to figure that out myself. And well, I've made a few fried eggs, and they all kind of come up broken looking, but cooked. Hmm. Scrambled eggs are fun. I can do amazing scrambled eggs. I can do frittatas. I can do a breakfast scramble. That is something everyone should know how to make, a breakfast scramble. If you can scramble eggs and you can chop up a, uh, and you can chop up your meat and vegetables, there's your breakfast right there. It is the easiest thing you can do. And it's probably the best tasting thing you can do for breakfast. Now, it can be pre- reasonably healthy if you're willing to throw in vegetables and forego your toast. Breakfast scramble. Eggs, I like a... Um, and then you can throw in bacon and peppers and onions and just stuff that tastes good with eggs. Mushrooms. Uh, mushrooms. Cremini, king oyster, shiitake, and enoki are all good options. But stay away from white button mushrooms. They are so boring. They do not pick. They can pick up flavor, but they're not really uh, bearers of flavor. I mean, cremini mushrooms, they're like little brown top mushrooms. They're really nice. And they have their own wonderful flavor. Mm, mushrooms. Uh, mushrooms also go well with most uh, things that can uh, be made. Hmm, sorry, I'm going off on a tangent here. I'm kind of fading. Mushrooms are good in pastas. They're like You can have a strictly pasta dish, like a porcini, with a little bit of truffle oil and finishes off nicely. Of course, I haven't made my uh, porcini or my mushroom risotto in a long time. I made it like once or twice and then I made millet risotto. I actually, yes, millet exists as a seed for humans and you can cook with it. Of course, Brian would be willing to tell you how gross it was and said I should never cook with it again. Alas, I have not cooked with millet in ever and wound up giving the rest of it to the birds. Surprising, unsurprisingly, I should say, the birds loved it. So that's about it. If you want to learn how to cook, honestly, just try. There's nothing to be afraid of. Just because something is multiple steps, is no reason to be afraid of it. In fact, those steps are your best friend because they may teach you something about uh, the meal you previously enjoyed but didn't know how it was composed. 
and un- and you know what? Learning how knowing how to cook something did not take the magic out of it. In fact, it kind of brings a new kind of magic to it because now you're able to make that dish your own and even add your own little twist, whether it's to make it a little more spicy, a little garlicky, even a little sweeter. Garlic is my best friend. I love garlic. If I could, I would have like garlic on everything. Mmm, garlic. <laughs> so thanks for humoring me and uh, putting up with me talking about cooking and cooking games. If you uh, want to uh, try those games, I'll give. You, I'll remind you once again. They, there is one on Android called Cooking Mama. It also appears on the Nintendo DS and the Wii. If you want a PC game that is a good, good cooking simulator, I, I believe it's Big Fish that has the game Cooking Academy. Once again, and I believe it has uh, more than one iteration at this point. And it is a little more, It's a li- I believe the controls are easier in that one. It's a little easier to do, but both games do have timers in them, so you have to fight against a timer, which you don't necessarily have in real life. And if you want to watch a good cooking show, I believe that you should give uh, Mind of the Chef a try. It's a PBS production, and it's available on Netflix. So with that, folks, I believe that the, my time here is up. Um, nothing else left to say, but just as a reminder, if you want to hear what Brian, Joe, and I all thought of the Warcraft movie, you can uh, get the separate special edition podcast that's a joint venture between Upper Memory Block and Square Waves FM that will be uploaded separately from this podcast. Otherwise... Thank you for listening to me talk by myself today without Brian to keep me in check. And as always, if you want to send us your uh, letters, voicemails, tweets, etc. And to get in touch with us, you can find us on the web. We are squarefm.demodulated.com by email, squarefm.demodulated.com. Or we are on Twitter at squarewavesfm. So thank you very much for joining me. And if you've stuck around to the very end, I'm impressed and actually quite pleased that you didn't get pissed off listening to me kind of blither about what may seem like a whole lot of nothing. So thank you. Love you folks. Send me your notes. Tell me what you thought of this. I want to hear from you. Bye.